his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, come, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us worship and glorify his name, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Our thankfulness to the church choir for lifting our spirits with those songs of inspiration. Let's give God some praise for that. Would you join me in the book of Genesis chapter 15? Genesis chapter 15. As we will read the first six verses. Genesis chapter 15, verses one through six. Genesis chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord, what wilt thou give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram said, Since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Amen. You may be seated. As we continue along the year's, three, the year's theme, the year of the stretch we come upon the story a narrative in the Old Testament where the patriarch Abraham is challenged to stretch his imagination God invites him to do the impossible count the stars in the heavens he already knows that that is an impossible task for Abraham and says to him, look unto the heavens and count the stars if you can. Almost as if it is a bit of sarcasm there and yet he is making him a promise as well as assuring him that what he cannot see with the natural eye will actually come to pass with his eye of imagination. I want to make a series of statements as I back into this text, beginning with a question, and then I just want to explore some of the benefits of hearing God's challenge to Abraham to stretch his mind to dream. 
think for a moment about what you would do if you took the word fear out of the equation. Just think for a moment what you would do if you took the word fear out of the equation. Think of what you possibly could acquire, accomplish, if you were not intimidated by fear. Think of what you have thought about previously and allowed the dream to die, but now if you would remove the challenge of fear, what could happen? Timing is everything. Timing is everything. So if right now you don't know what to do, then the timing is not now. For when the timing comes, you will know exactly what you need to do. When the time does come, you will need to send all your naysayers to time out. When the time does come, you will need to send all of your naysayers the time out. Because what you need then is faith around you as well as faith in you. So send your naysayers the time out. You might want to gag your critics. Gag your critics. In that moment, you will need your best cheerleader, the one person or persons who will inspire you. You cannot eliminate criticism, at least not all of it, but you can muffle it enough where it doesn't drown out your victorious anthems as you dream and that dream comes to pass. So you might need to gag your critics. Make room in your life for your dream to come to pass. Eliminate waste. Assimilate wisdom and then anticipate the windfall. Eliminate waste. Uh, most of the time, this is probably not a good analogy, but you may catch it as it goes by. Most of the time, whenever we are cooking beef, you want to cut off the fat, most of the time. But there are times when you need to leave the fat there uh, because the fat provides the seasoning, and then if you brown it right, it's a delicacy to the main course. But there are times when you have to cut away the access. 
because then it will ruin the flavor of the meat, depending on the cut of the meat is the reason why you need. You would never move away all the fat in a steak because that's what gives, that marble gives it the flavor. But if you got a bottom rump roast, some of that fat you've got to get away. But you want to leave some on top. I'm trying to help somebody so when y'all go home today, y'all can cook a nice meal. Leave some on top. But sometimes we have too much access, too much waste around us. And you need to eliminate that, but assimilate wisdom. You need to surround yourself with people who know how to get to where you want to go. And you need that wisdom to help you out. And once you understand how that wisdom can be integrated into your development, then you will then know how to anticipate the windfall because that raises your expectation that something is coming down the pipe. Okay. But make room for progress. Make room for growth. The Bible says that your gift will make room for you, but you need to make room for that gift to develop the way it needs to. But then here's another thing. Don't be afraid to fly with the eagles. Uh, if you want to be an eagle, you can't stay a sparrow forever. But you've got to want to aspire where the eagle is. And even in your aspiration of being able to come alongside the eagle, don't let the eagle make you feel bad or small. But instead, let the eagle enhance you and grow you just as they soar, so I desire to soar. God does something incredible in relation to each of those statements I made here in Genesis 15, 1 through 6. He totally defies the biological process of Abraham's life, begins to inform him of something miraculous that never even entered the mind of Abraham, and causes him to experience what I call a prophetic moment where he invites Abraham outside and to look unto the heavens and then he calls him to prophetically see what's not there. He gives him a prophetic moment and then he gives him a promise moment. He tells him also in verse one that not only do I want you to see what's not there, but understand that your reward will be overwhelmingly great. So he gives him this prophetic moment, then he gives them this promised moment, and then he finishes it with a physical moment. He assures Abraham that the image, the picture you now have in your mind that's actually manifested within you and about you is not the right one. He says to him in verse 2 and 3 and 4, as Abraham responds to God's challenge and call, 
he says, Abraham says, in my house is Eleazar, the one from Damascus, who's the heir to my house. And God says, no, he's not. He's not the heir. In fact, you will have an heir from your own body. But I need you to trust me, Abraham, and to allow your imagination to stretch wide enough to know that what is impossible with you is possible with me. And so verse 1 says that he invites Abraham outside and he provides the greatest challenge that Abraham could ever have. He says, look up to the stars, or the heavens rather, and then I want you to count the stars. I want you to count the stars. I want you to count the stars. I want you to count what you see, the stars. And then he follows by saying, if you can, if you can really count the stars. Abraham knows if he starts at one, two, three, four, he will eventually get jumbled in his own numerology and have to start all over again and finally has to face the reality there's absolutely no way I can count these stars. And God says, so shall your descendants be in Numerable. That's how I'm going to bless you. There's a couple other statements I want to tell you, and I want to tell you that because it all seems to begin in the mind. If I can think it, if I can think it, if I can believe it, I can see it come to pass. If I can win in my mind, then I'm going to win in life. Ooh, that should have been an amen right there. If I can win here, I'm going to win here. Because if I lose here, I'm certainly going to lose here. But if I can win it here, I'm going to win it out here. And I'm going to win as a follower of Christ based off of what Paul says in Romans 8 because I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me who makes it possible for me to dream big here's a statement here's a statement write this down and then you can't do it now because you're not going to get the logist of it, but just think about it for a moment while you're on the way home. Your self-portrait determines your self-conduct. So how you, how you see yourself will determine how you act. So if you see yourself in thuggish kind of demeanor, then it's probably thuggish behavior you will depict. If I see myself in a sense of eruditish, then I will probably act erudite when I converse with you. If I see myself as an achiever, then I'm probably going to achieve in my behavior. Some people will deem that as being narcissistic. Others will be going on an ego trip not necessarily, 
because my self-portrait of me helps determine what I'm going to do when it comes to my actions. So how I see myself, how you see yourself, will really determine how you're going to flow as you travel through life. And actually what God was doing to Abraham was, I want you to come out and I want you to see what you don't see and I want you to recognize, you see the beauty of all those stars. If you start seeing that as a part of your vision, then that's how your life is going to be. And if you follow the record of Abraham's life, Abraham had a very prosperous life where there were times when people just gave unto him prospered him maybe because of the way Abraham presented himself a willingness to see that he was larger than life you know I often wonder what does that mean some people are described as being larger than life it just simply means they live in unlimited expectation Maxwell John Maxwell talks about uh, the law of the lid and the law of the lid says that if you're really going to expand and excel you can't have a ceiling because if you got a ceiling you've already determined that this this is the limit to how high I can go and that's the reason why eagles don't hang around with the chickens because the chicken has a ceiling but the eagle soars far beyond even where the eye cannot see. And that's because the law of the lid doesn't apply to the eagle. And I think God's trying to encourage us. Would you finally please take the lid off of your expectation and your life and start seeing what you yet do not see? For faith is the substance of that which is hoped for and the evidence not yet seen but your mind has an imagination and because it has an imagination it needs the opportunity to expand and then to flow through the horizon to see what nobody else sees have you ever thought about that you saw something come to pass and the, the uh, particular ends up being quite successful and you say to yourself I'm sure you have well how come I didn't think about that Maybe it's because you never permit yourself to see what you can't see and your imagination to soar without a lid being on top of it. So your mind needs that, how you see yourself. Here's the second thing. Sometimes we disfigure ourselves by what we think about ourselves rather than what we do to ourselves. So we don't really have to do anything. Sometimes just the thought factors that we engage destroy us. Disfigure. I use the word disfigure because it takes us and provides the image that is really not us. But because we are thinking wrong, we disfigure ourselves. Here's the third statement. Sometimes our memory banks become warehouses of belief and feelings that cripple our progress. In other words, we too often permit yesterday 
to block what's going to blossom today and we never get a chance to even dream about what tomorrow might be because we're stuck on yesterday's failures. Paul says it this way, leaving those things which are behind. And he had enough to engage in and talk about his own past, but Paul says, I am leaving that where it is, it's past. That's what that means. I've passed it. It's an experience that's already come to pass. I've moved beyond that. And here's his language. I press. Or we can put in there, I stretch myself toward the mark. And the mark might be the goal, the objective, the dream, the vision, whatever it is that God's provided. I'm stretching there because it's connected to the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. So I'm dreaming because God is a dreamer. That's what Genesis chapter 1 tells me, that God stepped out on nothing and decided that something would come about even though nothing was there, and yet decided that let there be, and there it was because God dreamed that it would be there, and out of his mind came the manifestation of reality, and there it was after six days, a whole world, and then God stepped back and said, man, I'm some kind of good. Everything I did was good. That's not narcissism. That's simply celebrating the progress of speaking out what was in my mind because life and death is in the power of my tongue. And because I believe it, I spoke it, and there it was in time. I'm trying to help y'all if y'all would just listen to me. So God says, I need you to step back sometimes and just look up to the heavens and say, Lord, what is it that you're trying to do? And as God said, Abraham, maybe God is saying to you, do me a favor. If you want to see how wide I am and how blessed I can be unto you and how deep my reservoir is, just try this exercise. Count the stars up in the heavens. And if you think you can count the stars, then you will come to recognize how much I can indeed supply all of your need and some more. And there's some folk over here today who can testify, not only have God supplied all of my needs, but I even got leftover. I got more than enough, enough to help someone else because I've become more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. Because God helped me and teaches me how to dream. But Abraham had a plea. He had a response that was a plea. Abraham says, now I don't have a son, and since you haven't given me one, what is it that you expect to do in my life? And God says in verse 3 and 4, listen, the one that you've appointed in your life as an heir, you've got the wrong picture. And the reason why some of us never excel is because we've got the wrong picture already established in our minds. See, we've already begun to disfigure ourselves by having the wrong images. That's the reason why you got to watch where you look and watch what you permit to come into your mind and watch who helps shape your vision in your mind because they can be destructive and they can put poison in your mind and before you know it, you're not imagining what should be according to the glory of God, it's what somebody else would be. Do you not know that your mind is the one thing that someone else desires to control? 
And so if they can control your mind, then they control you. And how is the mind so valuable? Well, the Bible makes clear in the New Testament that the mind is important. When Mark chapter 5, when the demoniac was healed by Jesus before he was out of his mind. As everyone walked past the graveyard and saw him, they noticed that he was acting not only deranged and out of function, but he was out of his mind. But when they came by the next time and saw that he was sitting beside Jesus, they said, is that he who is now clothed in his right mind? which meant that something has happened. He now has a new image, a new picture of what his mind and what his life is intended to be in his mind. And that's what God's trying to do to some of you. Get the bad picture out. The bad picture that are self-images that are destructive. That's the reason why we support these efforts to help people eliminate those destructive images that others have forced into their life, that create an atmosphere in their mind that makes them feel dehumanized and less than, in fact, they have become objectified. They're no longer human, they're objects. And our call by God is to reverse and to remove that and to put the right picture there, created in the image of God, created he them. And that's what God is trying to do to Abraham, change the picture of his mind. Get Eliezer out of your mind. That's not going to be your heir. I got a new picture I want to put in your mind. You're going to have a son that's going to come from your own line. Abraham's concern is, hold up, now, the last I checked, biologically, it's not possible. But remember, later, the angels will pose a question to Sarah when she learned that she's going to be with child. And the question will be, as Sarah is told that you're going to be with a child this time next year, Sarah stands at the tent door laughing and says, this guy has got to be a joke. Doesn't he not realize as old as I am? And the angel says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And it's almost as if it's a snickle by both Abraham and Sarah as if to say, well, we'll see by this time next year. And the text says, and that time the following year, she gives birth to a son and they name him Isaac. It's because Abraham, when he went out and started to count the stars, what God had promised and what God had prophetically had him to engage, he made it physically come to pass later on. That's why timing is everything. You cannot have the birth of your dream overnight because there's preparation. And God's got to get you prepared to be blessed. You know, that's something I found out. One of the reasons why lottery winners are broke within the first three to four years is because they have no preparation to be rich. They have not consulted. They've consulted with people on how or what they should do with their money. But you've got to change. You've got to have a whole lifestyle change. Remember I told you, eliminate waste? They don't realize when you become a billionaire, you just can't hang around with the same folk. 
you got to change. You got to move out the neighborhood. You got to understand you're at a different level of life because those who are not there don't understand how to live where you are now. In fact, you got to learn first how to do that. So that's why I'm reading all these books on how to live like a millionaire so when it happens to me, I don't know how to I know how to live. And you know what? In fact, it's learned that most millionaires are philanthropists. They recognize you got it, you need to share it so someone else can experience what you got. So you can come on with me, cool. You eliminate the waste, but you got to surround yourself, assimilate wisdom around you. Get around you people who know how to live at that level. Who understand that you don't have to have, the, in fact, I found out that rich people don't even buy brand new all the time. That threw me for a loop. But that's because they understand the value of knowing what depreciation is. They realize why buy a $90,000 car today, just go tomorrow and buy it with 5,000 miles on it, and it's already depreciated fifteen dollars to $20,000. See, you don't see that in the text. It's right there. It's right there. Because God is telling Abraham, who you got in your house as your heir is not the same level of whom I'm going to give you. And God's trying to tell some of you, you got the wrong picture in your mind and you got the wrong folk that you hanging around. I'm trying to help you change partners because you know when you become a follower of Christ, you got to change dance partners. I, I used to dance a lot before Christ, but with different partners. But after the King of Kings became my dance partner, then I only like to dance with him. Your mind needs two things. Number one, it needs a focus. See what God says to Abraham? Come outside, and I want you to look up to the heavens. See that focus? To the heavens and count the stars. Your mind needs a focus. One reason why uh, your life will be the same in 2019 as it was in 2018 is because you have no focus. You have no singleness of objective in terms of what you want to do and where you want to go. So if you look at it in quarters, by the time we get to March, you just like we were in March 2017, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12. You get to June, same thing. September, same thing. End of the year, same thing. Focus. God said, I want you to look straight at the heavens. Focus. Because your mind needs something to focus on because God says prophetically, let me give you a picture into tomorrow. Now, how many of you look into your tomorrow? You can't. You can't because you're too busy looking into yesterday. 
But God tells Abraham, I don't want you to think anything about yesterday. In fact, if you read chapter 14, Abraham was thinking about what he had accomplished in yesterday in being victorious in the winning of the wars and even being blessed by King Melchizedek. And God says, don't worry about that. In fact, Abraham was a little concerned that he had defeated all these kings and kind of wondering if they were going to get together and come back and try to defeat him. And God says, don't worry about that. Look at verse 1. I am your shield. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to make sure that nothing harms you. I don't know if Isaiah borrowed his image from that or not, but Isaiah says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Neither anything that rises up in this life. In other words, both Isaiah and God is saying unto us, if you trust me, I will certainly handle all of the enemies around you, and you don't have to waste time worrying if they're going to come back and try to attack you. I am your fighter. I'm your shield. Doesn't matter where they come. Bow. I'm right here. Bow, 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 bow. I'm your shield all around you. Here it is, Fred Hammond. Jesus, be a fence all around me every day. Prophetically, he says, look up. Your mind has to be focused. That's the reason why God gives prophecies. That you will focus. But your mind not only needs a focus, your mind needs a hero. And Abraham's hero will become God. Can you get a better hero than that? He will focus Abraham's attention on the prophetic nature of the stars and the promise of a son and watching it physically come to pass, but he will also become Abraham's hero. It means that every time on the journey Abraham hits a rough spot, he can always call on his hero to reassure him and to encourage him and to empower him and to give him the inspiration he needs to continue on in the journey. My hero came down through 40 and two generations. He already had a focus. And even before the creation of the world, his focus was already a space in time that would be called Golgotha. He already knew that that would be the objective of his coming to earth, and so he travels through 40 and two generations and arrives in Bethlehem. And he takes on the human flesh so that physically I can see that God understands who I am and what I go through, but yet prophetically I can see that God is concerned about my future. And then he makes a promise. Whosoever will, let him come. And because I became a part of that crowd of whosoever will, it changed my whole vision, my picture, my mind. And so now when I hit the rough spot of getting to where I want to go, all I got to do is turn to Ephesians 3 and listen to Paul in his benediction. Now unto him. Yeah. 
I call Jude into the equation as well. And Jude say, unto him who is able to keep us from falling. But Paul says he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. He says to us, in essence, I just want you to dream a little while, stretch your mind. That's what he told Abraham. Stretch your mind and see the impossible because what is impossible with you is possible with me. And verse 6 says that because Abraham stretched himself, it was counted unto him as righteousness. In other words, God says, here's my stamp of approval. You've done exactly what I wanted you to do. Here's a simplistic word. God says, your response to my invitation will determine everything in reference to the future. So where is your mind focused? Have you made room for God to come in and make it come to pass? What do you see about your tomorrow? Or are you too afraid to stretch your mind to see what you don't see? God said, it's all up to you. I'm standing here waiting to give you more than what you ever could dream of. Here's a final consideration. Have you ever wondered, I wonder if I ever, when I get to heaven, will be able to see all that I could have had. That's a deep thought in me. What I could have had if I would only believe and visualize and trust God. I transition from earth to glory, just an analogy, at level two when in the prophetic plan of God, it was already written in the eons of time, I would come home at level 15. But because I wouldn't believe and trust and I wouldn't stretch my faith, nor would I stretch my mind, nor would I use my imagination, nor would I attempt to count the stars. Oh, in other places that God tells Abraham, pick up your hand full of sand and count the grains of sand in your hand. I wasn't willing to do that. So I never saw how God could do the impossible. And I never saw all that God had in store for me. Because I wouldn't stretch. Stretch. I went to work out Friday morning and didn't stretch. I got about halfway through the first set and the muscle said, remember me? Stretchy, stretchy, stretchy before we start. Right now I'm having a contraction. 
And I mean, you know, it was in my calf, my calf area. You should have saw me just standing there trying to stretch that thing out, boy. Uh, and the guy walks by and goes, oh, forgot to stretch this morning, didn't you? And I want to tell him so bad, mind your business. I know I forgot to stretch. Mind your business, man. But if I had stretched, instead of four sets that I do, I could have done five could have done six, but because I failed to stretch, my muscle finally did catch up, but it was, by that time it was so sore, I just wanted to throw in the towel. I mean, it, I killed myself them last two sets. I, I died. I, I just, I looked at, you know, in the gym, you, there's a mirror, you look at yourself in the mirror, I look so sad. I was like, Lord, have mercy. And I just said, man, you got to keep on, though. You got a whole nother set to go. And I just dropped my head back. And I just said, if there is a God somewhere, help a brother out right now. And then I just limped on back to the car and got back in the car. And uh, I tried to get in real quick. I don't want nobody to know I got myself all hurt all the, you know, how you try to cover out things. Stretch. 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 And God says, if you stretch, God says, I'm going to do something different. Far, when you stretch, you get to see what your eyes naturally can't see. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit and for the power of your word. Thank you for imagination. 